0: Hey guys, welcome to Product Explained, a show where we talk about products and the company's history and strategy behind them. I'm
1: your first host, Jeff Lee. And I'm your co-host, Mike Alcazarian. Hey Jeff, how often in college would you just be hanging out with friends you know, at a party and then it would just eventually devolve into just showing off your favorite YouTube videos to all your friends?
0: Uh, I can't remember how many countless hours of Fail Army we watched at these parties. Of <laughs> these people like eating it while like, trying to grind 50-50 on on some skate park or something today's show we're talking about youtube an online video streaming platform
1: yeah, so what is YouTube? So YouTube is officially a website that you can easily kill four hours on. No, but for anyone that, who, who has never turned the internet on, you've been living under a rock, YouTube is a place where you can watch, upload, and share videos. Any, anything from music videos to tutorials to really anything. It's just a whole ecosystem for content creation. It's even spun out a brand new profession named YouTubers. Um, and these are <laughs> folks that exclusively make YouTube videos In terms of the business model for for YouTube, much like a lot of the other products that, uh, you know, are currently out there and that we've reviewed here on Product Explained, YouTube's primary revenue source is eyeballs. So they're really looking for advertising money associated with Mm -hmm. yours, your eyeballs, my eyeballs, everyone's eyeballs, all those billion like links, likes and shares, all of that adds up significantly for, for YouTube. So these ads, it's funny because like I actually subscribe to YouTube Premium, which is their $12 a month um, ad-free experience because I find the YouTube ads so frustrating. And also yeah. because YouTube is owned by Google, they also have what was formerly known as Google Music, which was their sh- streaming music. Um, it was kind of a-, a perk where you could get both YouTube Premium and now YouTube Music for the same price. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that I'm actually grandfathered in at $10 a month. So I get, mm, nice. you know... I get both. So my fiance keeps asking me if I'm going to switch over to her Spotify account so we can save money, but I hate watching ads. So I'm like, no, I'm not because I get YouTube (laughs) premium for free. Um, but I actually had to look up on an incognito browser what the ads look like so I could talk about them. But the ads <laughs> show up before you watch the videos. Some, some videos won't let you watch the video before you've actually watched their, you know, five second to 30 second ad. I've seen some horror story Reddit posts where it's actually like an hour and 20 minute ad that shows up that you oh, can't skip. No. <laughs> I'm sure that's a bug that they've just encountered that's like in the six sigma point zero 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 one percent there's also videos that occur during the during the video that'll actually stop the video and then place an ad and also on-site like physical ads that'll show up on the like a really ad heavy ad or sorry really ad heavy video you'll be able to see those those ads pop up but yeah the bulk of the the lion's share of revenue from youtube is going to be from your um advertising arm
0: Yeah, for sure. And again, I think everybody or hopefully everybody that's listening to this podcast knows what YouTube is, so it doesn't need much of an introduction. It's been around for quite some time. It's pretty ubiquitous with video sharing, video watching and things like that. But what might be a little bit more interesting is the history of the product. We're not going to cover everything about YouTube. There's just a lot of stuff that's gone on. But I want to touch on some really interesting highlights here. So YouTube was founded in 2005 by Chad Hurley, Stephen Chen, and Jawed Karim, and they were all working for PayPal at the time. There's been a lot of founders on the show that have previously been ex-PayPal um, employees, so that's obviously really interesting. I wonder what's in the soup at, at PayPal, what's in the water to make people go off and find these companies.
1: Totally. I, I, I love it, but it also might just be a timing thing, you know, where it was like yeah. PayPal was one of like the first big tech companies, and right. then... They just got a bunch of money, you know, to go, <laughs> yeah. to go do like <laughs> whatever they wanted. Exactly. And and they, they saw like what venture capitalists wanted and they could grow, grow off of that. And I think the terms like the PayPal mafia, you know, it's yeah. like, you know, Peter Thiel, Elon Musk, Reid Hoffman, and, you know, the, all the YouTube guys. So it's, it's interesting.
0: Yeah. A ton of, ton of founders from PayPal. It's insane. YouTube at the time was headquartered above a pizzeria and a Japanese restaurant in San Mateo. I only mention this tidbit because anyone that's in the Bay Area, San Mateo actually has some really good food. So I'm curious which pizzeria and which Japanese restaurant it's above. (laughs) Uh, It makes it sound like it's pretty humble beginnings, but they might be pretty nice places. The original concept was actually an online dating service, which I didn't know. I didn't read too much into the details. I couldn't really find more about it because it probably sounds like they pivoted really quickly. But, you know, 2005, a lot of people are trying to use the internet to meet people. There's the E harmonies of the world, the OK Cupids, and things like that. The Craigslists um, of the world. Yeah, the Craigslists <laughs> of the world. The Facebook marketplaces of the world uh-huh. um, to try to find you know your next love, but what ended up causing them to kind of pivot was actually the Super Bowl with Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson, which. For those of you at home that don't remember, there was quote unquote, a wardrobe malfunction where Justin Timberlake ripped off part of Janet Jackson's outfit. And then you can see her boob and there was like a pasty on, on her boob. And it was just like, oh, was it on purpose? Was it a mistake? Was it for marketing and PR, etc." It was just like a really big deal. The founders of YouTube at the time realized that they couldn't actually easily find videos of that on the internet. There wasn't like one good place to go find this thing, this clip. Uh, And they decided that, hey, YouTube could be a great place for non-computer experts to upload and watch these videos with a simple UI. So the very first video that's on YouTube is titled, Me at the Zoo. And I didn't know this, (laughs) uh, but this video was uploaded on April 23rd, 2005. And it actually shows Kareem at the San Diego Zoo. Just for reference, it has 120 million views and 5 million likes. And of course, that's a now 16-year-old video. So... I don't know if that's the record. Probably not, right? I guess there's some that have like a couple hundred million
1: views. Um, Oh, no, I think Dungham style is like a billion, like billion views, if not way more than that. (laughs) But it's like definitely up there. But I think it's it's still impressive, like just some random dude at the zoo. But granted, like the San Diego Zoo is a cool place. It is a cool Um, place.
0: It's a good
1: zoo. Shout out to anyone that likes zoos. Go to the (laughs) San Diego Zoo. It's it's definitely world class. Yeah,
0: it's a world class zoo. But I just thought it was interesting because it's basically a point in history that's still there. I didn't get a chance to watch the video yet, but I'm going to go and watch this video because it's part of YouTube's founding history. The week of YouTube's launch, uh, The Lonely Island, which is a sketch group from Saturday Night Live, ran a skit called Lazy Sunday. And that video was, you know, recorded on TV and TiVo or whatever and uploaded to YouTube and it went viral. So it was part of kind of why YouTube became a household name was because, again, people were trying to find this really funny clip and they didn't want to pay money or go actually watch the show and they wanted to watch it later kind of this idea of like asynchronous video on demand Uh, and they were able to go to youtube to actually watch the video later so i think that was really interesting that and timed very well with youtube's launch in 2006 which is not that long after me at the zoo (laughs) google (laughs) acquired youtube for 1.65 billion dollars in google stock which is incredible it's so fast right like literally a video of me at the zoo and then a year later you know one and a half billion dollars. I didn't realize that Google acquired YouTube this early. Obviously, I know that they're a Google company or now an Alphabet company, but I didn't realize that it happened in in 2006. I thought it was like much later that they acquired
1: same. YouTube. I thought that they were like operating for like a couple of years before, not yeah. literally a couple of months. <laughs> That's right. wild.
0: Yeah, it's insane. And in 2006, YouTube was named Time's Person of the Year, which has now become kind of a thing that Time does. They don't actually name people <laughs> anymore. Uh, to become Person of the Year. And the image was a YouTube screen holding a mirror. And what they're basically alluding to is that most of the content that was on YouTube were of people vlogging themselves. So Time's Person of the Year is all the YouTube content creators sharing their personal lives with people to watch and to give them a glimpse of what it's like a day in the life of X. By 2010, they had actually reached 43% market share of the online viewing community, industry, whatever, which is pretty incredible. And I'm curious to know what number that is now. It's probably even higher than that. Like, I don't know where else to look for when I watch videos, right? Well, I guess like if you count streams, like, you know, there's Twitch and Netflix and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, that's that, that'd be like a really hard metric to find because like, does TikTok count? You know, it's yeah, like, you know,
0: exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. By 2011, there was more than three billion videos that had, that were being watched each day, and there were 48 hours of content uploaded each minute, which is insane. Ins-
1: yeah, insane numbers. Like, I can't even comprehend. Like three, like humans are terrible at like expo- exponential like growth and large numbers, and I-, I can't even comprehend what three billion videos being watched every day means, and even 48 hours of content being uploaded every minute. Like it's gonna be insane, and I can't imagine what the servers are like that support YouTube. Yeah, that,
0: that's what I was thinking too. Like, it, it must be crazy to have all that stuff stored because it, it's it's cloud space, right? It's stored in YouTube forever, and you don't pay anything for it. Like anybody can go and upload an hour long video if they wanted to, uh, <laughs> and it's gonna be stored on YouTube. And they basically pay for the storage space, right? But I guess it's funded by ads. By 2014, that number of content uploaded per minute went from 48 hours to 300 hours of content uploaded each minute, which is mind blowing. It's so crazy to think that there's 300 hours of content. Let's try to break that down into other numbers. I know you were asking about um, <laughs> how to how to figure this out. So that's 300 hours per minute, which is 12 and a half days of content Jeez. Uh, per minute. So roughly two weeks of content per minute uploaded per minute at any time. And this was a literal minute. Oh my God. So it's probably a lot higher now from 2014 to 2018. YouTube tried a bunch of different methods to generate revenue outside of ads. So that included premium channel subscriptions. As you mentioned, Mike, there was music streaming, there was YouTube Red, which was ad-free, and now they're calling it YouTube Premium. I'm um, super
1: glad because that's a te- YouTube Red is a terrible name for anyone that's been on the internet. Yeah. Oh, um. yeah. Yep. It's a very, <laughs> so.
0: very bad name. And they did YouTube Music. They did YouTube Kids. They did YouTube Gaming. So they tried to kind of branch off into these sub-segments of different YouTube um, channels. Now there's YouTube TV. So there's like another streaming platform In 2018, this is super unfortunate, there was a shooting at the YouTube headquarters, which wounded four employees, I believe, and it killed one person, which was the shooter. The motive that the police think was behind the shooting was that the shooter was a content creator, and she alleged that YouTube was discriminating against her content by demonetizing her videos and moving people away from her channel so that she wouldn't be getting views. Um, That's crazy. That's so sad. It was really sad. I remember when it happened and it was like a really big deal. It's super unfortunate. It has happened at other major tech companies before or after. And, you know, I think part of it has to do with the fact that there's a lot of pressure to work at these big companies. And um, there's a lot of eyeballs in those companies as well. During COVID-19, the usage of YouTube grew greatly. Surprise, surprise, as people are sitting at home with nothing to do. At the time, it accounted for 15% of all Internet traffic. Which is insane. <laughs> that number, just to give everyone reference, was two x of pre-pandemic numbers, which is still insane. Roughly seven or eight percent of the time that anybody spends on the internet is on YouTube.
1: That's absolutely wild. It's interesting for me, just like reflecting back on my YouTube usage. I feel like I've tapered off a little bit. I think mm-hmm. my heaviest YouTube usage was in twenty sixteen, twenty fifteen. Like back, like when we were working together, and I yeah. was doing like fifty percent travel. Like they're one of my favorite YouTubers. Is Casey Neistat, and he had a daily vlog that went, I think, around that time frame that I would watch like religiously every single day, and it was like this like twenty minute, you know, video that Casey would put out, and I, I like I had to watch it, and it's crazy to think back, because like all like this was was just um, <laughs> me watching a video of someone else living their life, <laughs> but I, I feel like it's like went down for me, but maybe I filled it with other things like Netflix and and all of that, but that's a wild statistic that fifteen percent of all internet traffic, I mean i just like to i'm a very visual visual person so i like to think of like all like the internet like physical cables that are like under and that you know <laughs> roughly like you know 15 percent of that is just only for youtube which yeah. is just mind-blowing it's
0: Just one company one product one website lately youtube has been generally under fire for a couple different reasons one of them is censorship people feel like it's free speech, they should be able to do what they want on YouTube. So YouTube has taken an active stance on censorship, much like other social media companies, demonetization. So they have kind of changed what videos can and can't be monetized over time, which has caused some people to move away from YouTube to say Patreon, which is something that we talked about during the Patreon episode, and try other different streaming platforms and things like that. And then lastly, search algorithm changes, people that were having success before making probably hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars on YouTube overnight with algorithm changes, they were making not much money. I also want to spin up the conversation around kind of the rise and fall of different YouTubers over time. So you mentioned Casey Neistat, who's, you know, obviously a a big YouTube personality. There's a ton of people that were doing vlogs for a really long time. I know the fitness YouTube industry was really big and kind of died off. I think it's really interesting because there's a lot of these folks that they have this kind of flash in the pan where people are really interested in them. And then they kind of get sick and tired of those YouTubers. Mm -hmm. And so if you're a YouTuber, you kind of have to know that your content at some point is going to become stale, right? Like you constantly have to create fresh content and it becomes really repetitive. And you have to wonder like, uh, when can I do something different or how do I make sure that my content is evergreen, Uh, which just basically means that it's not just relevant today in 2021, but it's going to be relevant forever. And then like, should I consider doing other things? So some big YouTubers sometimes will go off and get brand sponsorships and do other deals and become bigger in other ways. I think probably the biggest example uh, of that is the Paul brothers. So Jake and Logan (laughs) Paul obviously now are doing stuff outside of YouTube, but they started on Vine. They did YouTube videos. I I never really watched them. I'm assuming they still do YouTube videos. They have a team that edits and films, and so they don't have to do it themselves. And then obviously they box, they box, <laughs> <they> box <laughs> Floyd Mayweather and get money that way too.
1: Yeah, <laughs> very controversial figures, I would say. <laughs> and yeah. I think it's it's you know kind of brilliant. On their, I think they're all, like excellent marketers. Like they know that they are very controversial. So what better way to you know, feed the fuel or add fuel to that fire by just literally getting punched in the face by a world-class boxer <laughs> and getting paid, you know, tens of millions of dollars to, to do that. But yeah, it, it's really interesting with like the, the ebb and flow of, of YouTubers. I mean, I, I mentioned Casey is like, I, I definitely love his content. I loved it because it's super motivational and it just gives you really interesting perspective, like his story. But yeah, I think he reached like a critical mass of like you know a year and a half, two and a half years of daily vlogging, where it mm-hmm. definitely was super repetitive. Yeah. Um, so it was. I I can't imagine like what it was like for him to to bust out a vlog every single day. Yeah.
0: And it's not easy to film and edit every single day. So
1: I mean, at some totally. point you can
0: maybe hire an editor and they'll help you do that. But if you're just doing your own thing, it's really hard to get started. I want to also like touch on like some different YouTube Goliaths over time. Like PewDiePie, for example, was really famous because he was a gamer and he was famous for having this gaming YouTube, which was really big. I'm looking at this list here of the highest paid stars on YouTube. So I'm going to go through this top 10 list. So number 10 was Jeffree Star. Um, Jeffree Star is a pop singer and he moved into makeup. So he does like makeup and, and cosmetics. Okay. There's David Dobrik who... I think
1: was he? Did he do comedy? I think he did I don't comedy. Know. And uh, is this is this list sorted by wealth or by wealth? Views? Yeah. So
0: Jeffrey Star, okay. I'll give you estimated. I'll give you 2019 to 2020 earnings. Jeffree Star made 15 million in 2019 <laughs> to 2020. Oh David DeRick made 15 and a half million. Blippi, who I think is another comedian. Oh, it says Think the Wiggles or Steve from Blue's Clues, but way more wealthy. <laughs> um, so probably for kids. <laughs> 2019 to 2020, he made 17 million. Like Nastya is a Russian American YouTuber. She's 6 years old. She made 18 oh, and a half million dollars in 2019-2020. Oh god. There's a guy Preston. It looks like he he did gaming vlogs for a while. 19 million. Uh Markiplier, who's a famous gamer, 19 and a half and Link, they made 20 million in that time period. They did a comedy series. Dude Perfect, who's been around for a long time. Long time. They made twenty three million in twenty nineteen and twenty twenty. Dude Perfect, all they do is they do these trick shots all the time, and they probably have the funnest job on the planet.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> Get paid very well for it.
0: <laughs> yeah, Mr. Beast uh, made twenty four million. Mr. Beast is famous for these like viral. Uh, giveaways and stunts. So you'd like give away phones and give away cars and give away a whole bunch of stuff. And obviously makes all that money back on, <laughs> on YouTube ad revenue. And the number one YouTuber, and this is the reason why I brought this up. The number one YouTuber, do you know? Can you guess who it is in terms of revenue?
1: Oh man! I'll tell you
0: how much he made. He made twenty nine and a half million dollars in the twenty nineteen to twenty twenty span.
1: Oh man, it, it it has to be like Logan Paul. It has to be the Pauls, right? Because like the the boxing fight.
0: No, the Pauls aren't even on here. Maybe because they stopped doing YouTube. But it's this kid named Ryan Kaji. And he's got this YouTube channel called Ryan's World. Do you know what Ryan's World is?
1: No, I've never seen it.
0: This kid, all he does is he unboxes toys and gives reviews. And this is what's interesting about YouTube. So the reason why this kid has so many views is because other kids that... Obviously, they can't buy every toy in the world. But they're interested in certain toys, right? They see it on the internet. They see it in ads. They see it in whatever. So instead, they'll actually youtube these unboxing videos i'll search for them and then watch ryan play with them and they kind of live vicariously through this kid which is kind of sad but i remember hearing about this trend in 2015 i think it was a different youtuber at the time because um oh no actually here it says in 2015 uh ryan started this thing he was three years old at the time when he did his first unboxing (laughs) but i think there might have been other ones as well other kids doing unboxing videos but i first heard about this and i heard that some of these kids were making like forty grand a month just like on YouTube unboxing videos. I think what's kind of sad here is that like you don't know if the kid's still enjoying doing this thing or if there's a lot of pressure from the parents or whatever. But I just thought it was really interesting to kind of mention. And this kid now has sponsorships. So he has his own line of toothbrushes and toothpaste with Colgate. I know there's been toys that are like Ryan's World Approved and different things like that. So it is pretty insane. I wanted to mention the vicarious thing really quickly because I think you're noticing a trend where people will watch mukbangs because they can't eat all that food, but they want to experience what it's like to eat all that food um, by watching <laughs> this video. Or they'll watch Twitch streamers um, play play games at a level that they'll never be able to play, like these pro streamers. Or in this case, kids are watching Ryan unbox all these toys, all these different things for toys that this kid may or may not ever get to play with not because like they're necessarily poor but like this kid literally just unboxes toys all day and like that's all this kid ever does and there's no way any parent's gonna buy like millions of dollars worth of toys for any of their kids in in a given year so i just thought that was really interesting that that like that was the number one uh, youtuber in terms of uh, revenue for 2019 to 2020
1: Yeah, I guess it makes total sense, I mean, because, like, I like that. I mean, one of my favorite YouTubers is MKBHD, and he just, Mm -hmm, like, he he basically does tech unboxing, where it's the same thing of, like, all these really cool, like, new phones, new cameras, like, new tech that's coming out. He'll go through and, like, unbox it, and I, I love that stuff. So, that totally makes sense, and just in terms of, like, economies of scale, like... It makes perfect sense that a ton of kids are tuning in, because I, I know that's actually a huge like. We've not really talked about like the downsides of YouTube. Mm-hmm. I know that that's one of the like kids in YouTube is definitely a you know a fine line to yeah. just balance. Like you have all these kids, like w- like I have like, I have some friends that they actually call it the we like, quote unquote nuclear option. Like the mm-hmm. only way to get get their kid to like stop crying <laughs> is yeah, to so hand videos. them an yeah, it's a, yeah hand them an iPad and. Just watch videos which is crazy like yeah and i imagine that this kid is just like let's watch watch unboxing videos like that makes total yep. sense and you know i imagine you scale that up to like millions of parents like it, it definitely makes sense why uh, it definitely makes sense it's, it's mind blowing to hear it like those numbers um like millions like 20 something million dollars at the age of seven, six, whatever old he is.
0: Yeah, that's um, just for one year, by the way. So, oh man. Yeah, like the kid doesn't have to do anything ever again. It, it is really interesting. I wonder what's going to happen over time. Like, you know, this kid's not going to be cute enough to keep unboxing toys for the rest of his life, but he could probably stop unboxing toys now and be set for the rest of his life as well. So, who knows? Yeah, you have a really good point about kids and YouTube. My niece would like be glued to Elmo as a kid, and like the only way to get her to stop crying sometimes. Or like the thing that she would love is just watching Elmo videos while she was eating, while she was doing whatever. So my brother-in-law always had to have like the phone available and ready with YouTube on hand, with Elmo on hand so that they can play it for the kids.
1: Totally. Well, we can talk about how YouTube... Or, <laughs> yeah, so we can talk about who YouTube is for. I think the good way to think about or maybe a simple way to think about YouTube is it's, there's three different segments. There's the content creators... There's the content consumers and then there's the advertisers. So mm-hmm. the content creators, uh, I think the latest stat that I found is it's about 500 hours of video every minute that oh. gets uploaded. to <laughs> that gets uploaded. These content creators range from vloggers. So these are people like the Casey Neistats of the world that are just literally like video blogging, which is vlog. Mm-hmm. And they're just filming themselves doing things around the world. And it's really interesting with Casey because he is really well-traveled does a ton of, he does like tech review Tuesdays, which are kind of like a running joke within his, his vlog. (laughs) Um, All these different things, businesses and brands will also create a bunch of content on YouTube. If you think about complex products, like imagine like a, like a thermostat or uh, like for like Ecobee, like how do you install that? Like Mm -hmm. Ecobee has some great documentation that you can go to online. There's also streams that, Get posted. The presidential debate was streamed via via YouTube. So along with events, there's also content consumers. So anyone that's trying to learn something. I know like last night, for example, I was actually looking at the Battle of Midway and the animated <laughs> like war history of this. And, and the, I have good reason for it. It wasn't just a YouTube rabbit hole that I fell into because of the algorithm so good. It was because I've been listening to this podcast called Hardcore History that just talks about like, and it's a 25-hour, six-episode podcast of just like uh-huh. the how the, how Japan became a super superpower mm-hmm. in World War II, and we're at the point where it's the Battle of Midway, and it was really hard for me to like understand like what was happening and like when the when it, which aircraft the carrier attacked which, and so like, there's a bunch of like YouTube videos mm-hmm. that actually like narrate this and like and show, uh, and show, like show like what happened cool. during all of that. But like something I want to like pause there with like the content creation is that, you know, because YouTube and Google and Alphabet are really in the business of selling ads, they have a huge amount of resources internally that the company is putting towards to optimize that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Jeff and I have alluded to this like YouTube rabbit hole, and that's the the algorithm where you can watch one video and one of the product features which is really brilliant with YouTube, and I think they were they were one of the first to do that yeah. was autoplay where it just keeps playing you a stream of videos that you want to, to play. And I I love this for music. So I love searching like an an artist that I love, like, you know, let's call it like the Alabama shakes, or I'll type in like NPR tiny concert and I'll click on that and it'll just endless music of exactly what I want. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing for, you know, military videos. Like after I watched the battle of battle of Midway, it actually started showing me like all these other old, like famous battles, like that are (laughs) animated, like, you know, the battle of the Balds and like all these other like things. So that is like kind of crazy and how good the algorithm is. But Once you start to comprehend like how much data is coming through here, like the 500 hours per minute that gets uploaded, they need a really good way to sort through that. Those numbers start to make sense. Even just like the number of views, like there's videos out there with hundreds of millions, billions of views per video. So you can start to train the computer with lots of data points based off of that. And then the last part of the puzzle that I'll talk about is advertisers and brands I know that a lot of YouTubers um, that become more established, they can have really lucrative deals where um, they'll actually do product placements. So, you know, some of the YouTubers that I follow that are in the DIY segment, they actually work with tool makers like DeWalt or Ryobi to say, "Hey, like you know, Ry- thanks to Ryobi for sponsoring this video," blah mm-hmm. blah blah. And as a brand, like you really care about, like you want to hand select who those people are, so you can, you know, basically reach your target audience exactly where they are. You know, so if you're if you going after like customers that are always working on the house because you're Home Depot, for example, like you're going to want to make sure that you have the right content creators picked out for you as a brand. So really interesting ecosystem that YouTube's created there with those three parties.
0: Yeah, let's talk about competitors. So I think a lot of people have this idea in their mind that YouTube was the first video streaming platform, but really Vimeo... Uh, Vimeo, Vimeo was the first online streaming video platform. Obviously, it didn't do as well as YouTube. And I wonder why. Maybe it's because they didn't have a better autoplay algorithm or it was harder to do search or the UI wasn't as friendly. I remember thinking of Vimeo as like, it's good to host videos, but it's hard to find videos. Like that was my kind of take Same. on Vimeo. The next competitor that I want to talk about is Twitch. Not so much because of where YouTube was, but more so where YouTube is going. I think there's a lot of... Appetite for live content. Content that, like, it's contextual, it has to do with the now. YouTube is great for VOD, so video on demand, and some of that stuff is like older content. Video on demand isn't as great for what's happening right now. So think about live TV and think about following the the life of people. Twitch is like a really great example of that. And it's basically vlogging, but in real time. The other competitor that I think is also really interesting to call out is IGTV. So, Instagram is obviously a really popular social media platform owned by facebook and they are trying to move into the play of these longer form videos for people to watch videos on Um, youtube is google's equivalent and then igtv is facebook's equivalent so think about these big fan companies trying to compete with one another on online video content and then the last one which is a little bit interesting is short form content like tiktok Um, so tiktok is you know meant for these really small funny meme-like videos get your point across make people laugh, create a lot of these in a day. So very similar an idea to YouTube, but a different format and
1: definitely more social. Totally. It almost feels like TikTok is like, I mean, we're, we're millennial generation, Jeff, and like YouTube, like you're finding funny YouTube videos would be like what we would do when we hung out, yeah. you know, like back in like late high school, like yeah. early college. And it seems like Gen Z, like TikTok is is that where it's like, oh my God, like, like you know, like this TikToker, here's like a bunch of videos and then. The algorithm takes <laughs> takes off from it, And there. there's
0: a lot of cannibalism um, amongst each other. So it's really interesting. I will sometimes use like Instagram Explore and I'll find videos on Instagram, but they're just like recordings of TikTok videos that they yep. like pulled over. And same thing with YouTube. You can find like TikTok compilations and vice versa, right? There's probably a lot of folks that are like taking their content and putting it on all three of the platforms because why not? You can get three times the exposure. And it's all, all the same stuff.
1: Yeah. And, and I feel like with that, though, it almost feels like the, the influencers that have the best traction are the ones that are platform specific. Yeah. And then like other people like, take off like their YouTube vlogs and make them TikToks. But we can talk about what we think of the platform. So it's hard for me to give a, a rating for, for YouTube that is objective just because I, I really like the platform mm-hmm. and I've been using it for so while. And I don't think that there really is any replacement for it. You know, it's really just like where I go to for, you know, really in-depth tutorials and videos if I don't really understand something especially as I've been doing a lot of DIY projects around the house it's just so much better to see someone do it as opposed to read like a long manual for how to how to do something mm-hmm. so I think that the you know the the content that's been created and just the uniqueness of it is just so incredible and it's just this flywheel that is almost kind of scary to look at where it's just like it's you know, not too big to fail at this point where it's like YouTube. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I don't have any other way to, to, to put this. So I, I think the strategy is really interesting where YouTube, I think a year and a half ago, two years ago, they started to actually create YouTube originals where they actually have YouTube mm-hmm. channel or sorry, YouTube originals where they're building content, you know, specifically for the YouTube platform that's not user generated. That's actually generated by people that are on YouTube's payroll. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, YouTube is kind of just this ubiquitous. Like it's just YouTube is YouTube. It's hard for them to like segment out into other, yeah, yeah, um, into other platforms and other parts. So I'm gonna rate YouTube a a a four out of five. I don't have a reason why it's not higher, why it's not lower. (laughs) It just it just feels so unique. Like that's just kind of is what it is. Like, but I'm sure it could be better.
0: Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that YouTube is really great for content finding any content on demand that isn't curated so things like netflix require producers or people that like put these things put these videos together professionally disney plus all the other streaming platforms are kind of similar but i think the difference that youtube has the differentiator is that it's created by people like you and me anybody can upload a video onto youtube it's low barrier of entry they don't charge us as a creator to upload like larger Basically, you can store any video on YouTube and they don't charge you any money for it. So that's it's fantastic. I do think that because I still have to use YouTube in conjunction with other products, as I kind of mentioned in a previous episode, I think the problem is that YouTube isn't my one-stop shop for all video slash streaming needs. And I think that's fine, but I can't really give it like a five out of five because I still use Netflix. I still use Twitch. I still use Instagram uh, to look at all these different videos and video formats. If I ever need to search for anything in video format or music or anything, you know, I can just type it in on YouTube I know it's probably going to be there. And if it's not on YouTube, then I know it doesn't exist. So, <laughs> so I feel pretty good about that. And I am pretty confident that that search works really well because obviously they're, you know, partnered slash owned by Google and Alphabet. So yeah, I think that all the content that I need is there on demand if I want it. I do think that it's difficult because YouTube isn't that great for streaming yet. It's pretty good for video on demand. And I do think that YouTube is better for user-generated content, crowdsourced content versus uh, curated content. So that's where I'm at with that. Overall, I'll give YouTube a 4.3. I think it's a fantastic thing for what it does. But obviously, I still use other products, so I can't really give it like a perfect score.
1: Yeah. I think that, I think, not to add to mine, because normally I would end right here, (laughs) is is I think think you hit the nail on the head. I think that that's why it's not above a four star for me is because you have to use like something else in conjunction, even from a creation perspective, like you have an editing tool that you can use, but it's really, really hard to use. And I I still like end up whenever I create a YouTube video, not that I create a lot of them, but I still have to edit them heavily and on the Adobe platform. Right. Um, Awesome. Well, those are our thoughts on YouTube. And we'd love to hear from you, our audience. So feel free to share with us what you thought. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at products podcast. That's P-R-O-D-E-X podcast.
0: Yeah. And if you like the show, be sure to like us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. And let us know what products we should review next. See you next episode.